Welcome to episode 26 of season 2 of the Search with Canada podcast. My name is Jack Chambers-Ward, and this week I am once again joined by my co-host, Mr. Mark Williams-Cook. This week we will be talking about some SERP annotations from unstructured data, keywords being hidden for 46% of Google Search Console clicks, and how someone managed to write a fake press release and gained a bunch of authoritative links from government websites in Italy. The whole case study, we'll get into it in a bit. Search for Canada is supported by Systrix, the SEO's toolbox. Go to systrix.com SWC if you want to check out some of their fantastic free tools, such as their SERP snippet generator, href lang validator, be able to check out your site's visibility index, and the Google update tracker. Before we actually get into the show and we're talking about Systrix, there is one feature that we don't kind of normally mention in our intro that I want to make our listeners aware of, which is the compare SERPs feature. And I haven't seen any other SEO SaaS tool do this as well as Systrix. So I was using it this week on some proposals I was doing, um, and it is just such a brilliant visualization. So if you've got Systrix or you've got access to Systrix, if you go into the keywords section, so obviously you're, you're triggering this by just searching for a keyword you want to rank for. In the left-hand side, there is a submenu called Trend, and right at the bottom, there is a link for Compare SERPs. And what this will do is for that key phrase, you can select two date ranges. So for instance, today and one that might be six months, 12 months ago, and it will actually show you the top 20 ranking URLs from your first date on the left-hand side of the screen. And on the right-hand, you can probably guess, it will show you the second date. And the cool thing it does between the two is any that are present on the older SERP, it will literally draw an arrow, a color-coded arrow, so green if it's gone up, red if it's gone down, gray if it's stayed the same, for how that SERP has changed. So as part of this pitch I was doing, they'd actually been through a migration and guess what, like so many people we had talked about, they had lost some rankings. And as far as they were concerned, then they had actually done quite a good job of, of the migration. But this was a really good way to look at the different key phrases where they had lost significant traffic because they had lost rankings and actually seeing, well, who is ranking now? What is there any trend in the type of sites that moved up? Is it new entrants? It was such a brilliant way to visualize it. I think visualization is the key there as well, right? Because you can go into impressions data or get a snapshot of something from any tool, you know, millions of different SEO multi-tools. But the fact that Systrix does this with the compare SEPs, you can present this to someone who doesn't really understand SEO. Like you said, if you're pitching to a brand new client or explaining it to someone who's higher up in your company and you're in-house and they don't necessarily know the more like technical side of SEO, you can say green is good, red is bad <laughs> and really show them like arrows go up, arrows go down. This is how much it's changed. You can d discuss, you know, get into discussions of volatility and how things are changing, whether competitors are shifting around. If there's any trends with competitors, you see if you check multiple keywords and you see one competitor dropping off or one competitor really climbing up, you can check out what they're doing and it gives you little inklings there. It can send you off in so many different directions. I think it does a brilliant job of getting that kind of really easy to understand, clear visualization for this kind of data. 
Yeah, we talked before about the Systrix tool that shows your percentage visibility loss in relation to the Google Core updates that they know about. And this is a really nice tool as well to use to set on a specific date before a core update, a few weeks before, and then a few weeks after to see again, oh, it's this type of site that's been moving up. So yeah, if you if you haven't tried it out yet, it's in Systrix, keyword section, compare SERPs in the bottom left. And funny as you're mentioning SERPs, the mark, because Systrix have just updated their US SERP database and is now covering over 50 million keywords all the way to position 100, full SERP format, full archive for the US market. So if you're working with US clients, you're working on sites in the US and looking to rank there, your capabilities within your database have expanded dramatically recently, thanks to the work of people at Systrix. That was actually very timely as I had a question on LinkedIn the other day because I showed something on Systrix and someone said, how kind of EU centric is it versus US? So there you go. That's your answer. The US SERP database has just been updated. So if you are looking to work on US sites and use Systrix, I highly recommend going and checking it out because the database has never been bigger, never been better. So kind of spinning off of SERPs, let's talk about some more SERP features as we often do on this show because Google is always doing something new and trying something weird. And we're actually seeing something, I can't remember if I've seen this before specifically, is pros and cons included in the SERPs themselves underneath the article from unstructured data, which melts my brain a little bit. I love you're getting to that stage now in SEO where you're like, have I seen this before? (laughs) I can't even tell anymore. (laughs) Yeah. Hat tip, of course, to Dr. Marie Haynes, who we shout out regularly on this show. If you're not following her on Twitter, I highly recommend that she is fantastic for catching all this kind of stuff. And yeah, it's pulling from internal lists, not not structured data that you're trying to get featured as a snippet. It's pulling from the on-page content of these articles and pulling it through to the SERPs. How, why, what, apart from the whole conversation, which again, I had with Cindy Crumb recently as well. And I had conversation with Catherine Mortier-Yong when I had her on the show a few weeks ago. Google wants you to stay on the SERP. This is more of this stuff. You're they're giving the user more content on the SERP rather than letting them click through to the article that us poor SEOs and content writers have spent our hard-earned money and blood, sweat and tears crafting. No, 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 no. You get that for free on the SERP. No clicks necessary. Great. Thanks. Thanks, Google. <laughs> so, yeah, I, th- I think it's really interesting. Um, I, I don't find it too much of a surprise for a couple of reasons, mm. which is firstly, relative to search engines, the, the use, widespread use of schema labeled structured data is fairly new. So for the longest time, all search engines basically have been trying to process mostly unstructured data. Yeah just the jumble of stuff that people put on the web, you know, and they've got various heuristics that work out, you know, this is this, and this is probably talking about this. Um, So it doesn't surprise me from that point of view. And even actually in parallel with Google's other products, I believe we've talked about it. We've definitely talked about it in the studio, maybe on the show, how like Google Docs can do like a summary. Yes, yeah of the contents of a document, which is a, which is a similar thing, I think, to what's happening here, right? Which is that it's, yeah, summarizing here, like the, the, the pros and cons, right, this review. So and I think, again, we're tying into all the kind of like reviews are so important. We talked about the review update not too long ago. We've talked about EAT multiple times, like 
this ties into this pros and cons authoritativeness are they an expert the person talking about this product there, there's beauty products as an example here um for dr marie's screenshots so it's like that's the kind of thing you want pros and cons for like oh this works on dry skin but this works on oily skin and this is scented and this is unscented and whatever that's the kind of product you're going to be wanting pros and cons and comparisons for and stuff like that so i think it totally makes sense as we're getting into more authoritative more expertise more trustworthiness all that kind of stuff um i saw a couple of people talking around this kind of topic as well on twitter and how again anecdotal evidence here but from i saw a couple of people discussing it that comparing very similar product review pages like product pages that have reviews on them one of them was written in first person and the other three they were comparing were written in third person and the first person one was consistently outranking the other three as if there's that kind of like inherent trustworthiness of i have tried this thing i am the person who knows this product because i am writing about it in first person rather than one of our experts blah blah blah. that doesn't necessarily mean anything there's no way of proving that when you have the blog author name, they are writing in first person and they say, I have tested this product or whatever. There's that, not only that level of like to the search engine, but to the user as well, I think. when It's that kind of put your money where your mouth is, right? I've I've done that previously for like sponsors on my other podcast where we always say like, we don't endorse things we don't want to use. Same is true here on Search with Canada. We use Systrix, we endorse Systrix, we work with Systrix. As you were saying, Mark, you literally used to compare SERPs feature the other day for a proposal. And I think there's that kind of, yeah, that level of trustworthiness you have to your readers, to your listeners, to your viewers, whatever your content is, to then say, yeah, I have, I am endorsing this thing or I'm reviewing this thing honestly because I have used it, I have tested it, whatever the product is. I believe, if my memory serves me correctly, that pros and cons are one of the things specifically mentioned in the guidance from Google around the product review update of something that's kind of important. Correct, yeah, to we, dis- we discussed this because, again, it ties into that like almost like transparency and trustworthiness of include your cons in there as well. Even if you're writing about your own product, don't just say, best product ever. It's the best skin cream or whatever. You have to say that level of knowledge about the thing, the fact that you can analyze it and see there are pros and cons, and then also the transparency there saying, yes, we understand there are cons to this or there are better alternatives or whatever, builds that trustworthiness with your audience as well. So I have one theory about this, which is similar to how Google is letting organic free results creep in with shopping feeds to increase their inventory to most likely can be able to be on a level footing, at least with Amazon. I've seen a lot of conversations really, and you, I think you've seen them as well, of especially Gen Z moving to like TikTok search for stuff. And one of the things that came up regularly for TikTok, apart from things like how-to guides was like product reviews. Is this any good? Like 15 second video. So this kind of SERP then just gives you the, okay, what's it good for? What's it not good for in a few seconds, which again, that's a theme that's come up on the podcast and in SEO in general, which is generally the path of least resistance will win in the long term whenever you're talking about user experience, usability of, you know, what's the what's the energy cost for me to find this information yeah. in my time and effort? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm planning to have a guest on in the not too distant future to discuss 
TikTok as a search engine, how it differs from Google, how more people are searching and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, stay tuned for that, listeners, if you do want to learn more about TikTok and how it's being used as a search engine now. And now that it's kind of taking over Google in many ways for many, as you said, Gen Z, Mark. Mark shakes head slowly. <laughs> Jack and Mark feel old. <laughs> Keywords hidden for 46% of Google Search Console clicks. I love that headline. That is the headline. Credit to the to the writer. We'll get into this in a second, but credit to the writer of this article for that. I, <laughs> I that attention grabbing headline of you're losing 46% of your keywords. Like it, it feels a bit clickbaity, but it is legit. And this is a really interesting study, I think. So this is a study done by Patrick Stocks, who's very well known and respected in the SEO community, and is currently product advisor, technical SEO and brand ambassador. That's a lot of hats for Ahrefs. So this is like an Ahrefs study. And this study includes one month of data across 146,741 websites and nearly 9 billion Total clicks. So, so, sorry, billion with a B. Billion with a B. Wow. So, more data than probably most people have in there. <laughs> in there. Yeah, so it's an advantage of working at HREFs and having access to that data, right? Exactly. <laughs> so, um, we will, of course, link to the study in the show notes search.withcanda.co.uk. Um, one thing I found particularly interesting about this study, and they've done a nice job visualizing this, was they were looking at the bands of percentages of missing clicks by site. So when we say that 46% of these keywords are hidden, that's kind of the median of the this what is pretty much, except for a few outliers, yeah. like the bell curve of how much data is hidden. So they did find some sites have got pretty much all of their keywords and other sites have pretty much none. <laughs> like we, we're, we're going up to like, it's like the high, like 98% or something. Yeah. Um, so there, there's sites with like 98% of their keyword data missing. And then there is sites on the other side of the coin with like 98, 99% available. I think this is particularly interesting because it's coming from Google Search Console, right? And I think so many of us in SEO, we use tools all the time and, you know, everybody says, oh, don't use so many tools and all this kind of stuff. We've talked about it on the show before. Tools are a way of automating the things that will take you much more time. That's usually how you should be looking at most of the tools that we use. You could go through two different SERPs if you had taken a screenshot of something from six months ago and compare the top 20 results but Systrix just does it for you in like 10 seconds. So why would you do that? So many of these tools, also us is another perfect example. You could go through and take notes and write down all of the different PAA data, or you could chuck it into also asked and find the data straight away in seconds. I think this is a perfect example because often you look at Google Search Console and think, oh, this is the data source. This is the authoritative. Google Analytics, as we know, we talked about many times on the show, questionable uh, <laughs> plenty, not an exact science not an exact science exactly but often i think we treat search console as like oh this is the source of information from google this is not going through any like somebody screwed up the code on the website or anything like this is the raw data this is the factual stuff 
Nope, you're missing more than half your keywords, maybe. Yeah, it's interesting cause, because, I mean, we have that discussion with clients about like first party, third party data. And, you know, I mean, Search Console is, is you know, in some ways, um, in some ways, a good source of truth about, OK, well, how, how many clicks did we get from Google? You know, that can be way off when you compare it to, to third party tools. But yes, then actually third party tools can be better yeah. when it comes to finding various opportunities and seeing that you were actually kind of ranking for things um, before. Because a bit like Google Ads, <clears throat> Google is, of course, hiding some of this search data, right? Yeah. They're, they're ex- I say excuse. You were going to say their <laughs> excuse. What is their excuse for this? <laughs> the exact wording is Google gives a few reasons for the discrepancy. And this is the quote from Google that Patrick included in his study. To protect user privacy, the performance report doesn't show all data. For example, we might not track some queries that are made a very small number of times or those that contain personal or sensitive information. I am skeptical. I know, and we, again, we've touched on this a few times already, the move to Google Analytics 4 that is inevitably coming next year is very much driven by privacy and GDPR issues that Google is experiencing. We know Google really need to sort their privacy stuff out. But come on. <laughs> it's a lot it's a lot of clicks to <laughs> that, lose. That's a lot of forty six percent like and as you said, Mark, that's the most common one. Some sites are losing like ninety something percent of their clicks. Or at least the keyword data for their clicks. So it's like how do you justify unless it's an incredibly sensitive informational personal website kind of thing you could you, you could lose it there i guess and that goes through their kind of privacy filters i mean th- that's actually something i've i've got a note to ask patrick about if there's any kind of categorization um, of the kind of sites that they covered in the study yeah because yeah. i'd be really interested if it's like okay well sites that cover say like medical stuff that when people are googling incredibly specific medical ailments are they up in that you know where we've got the high everything's hidden but then you know the the popular D website like how many personally identifiable like private queries are going to go through that i'd say very low but maybe yeah. the algorithm's misunderstanding them because it's talking about you know height and weight and stuff of a, of a <laughs> character that's fiction <laughs> that's fictional right yeah, and the yeah, algorithm's yeah. getting confused and it's but again I'm very, very skeptical about the, that kind of level of private, that level of privacy being invaded. And absolute credit to Patrick for this study. I think it's fascinating data to dive into. And as you said, Mark, something that we mortals who, <laughs> who work at SEO often don't get a chance to look at billions and billions of clicks and go through that and look at thousands of sites at once. So yeah, absolutely recommend you go and check out the study in more detail. Like we said, links in the show notes at search.withcanda.co.uk as always. As well, in that study, there is a Data Studio template provided by Patrick so you can hook up to your own uh, Google Data Studio data and see how what percentage of keywords you're missing as well. And he has actually asked if people are willing to kind of just send those raw numbers in for him so he can anonymously aggregate them and just make sure everything's matching up to his data. But certainly very, he's made it very easy to do. Um, and it would be interesting, you know, looking across, if, especially if you deal with multiple websites, again, if there's any kind of pattern as to which ones are having a lot of data restricted. So we were talking about trustworthiness and authoritativeness earlier on. Time to delve into the other end of that, I suppose, and talk about 
a manipulation of some authoritative things in a very untrustworthy kind of way. Yeah. So this was this I found this really interesting. So this was a write-up by Gianluca Fiorelli. I've pronounced that correctly. Apologies if I have not. It's actually he's told the story, uh, documented the work of Piersante, I would like to say. Again, my deepest apologies. Um, I did even Google how to pronounce your name properly, um, but I couldn't find anything that wasn't a robot doing a terrible job of it. Yep, so yep. hopefully I've done better than that. The title of this article was Reason Number 5,445,131 Why Some SEOs Destroy the Reputation of SEO. That's a clickbaity title. It I've is. It is. And the TL, I discovered this through the TLDR newsletter. Again, highly recommend subscribing if you are not already. Shout out to Sergio. Amazing. One of my favorite newsletters has been for years. Fantastic work that he does. And he summarized uh, this article as fake press release that generated high authority links by deceiving government websites, which is pretty much a very accurate description of um of kind of what's happened here. So again, we'll link to um, the write-up because it is an entertaining, quite long um, story. But I just wanted to give you the kind of highlights from this. So this started when they found a blank link. And by blank link, I mean, um, it's got the link A tag, but there's no anchor text there. So this is just existing in the source code. On the French Senate website, and this blank link was linking to an Italian tariff comparison site. So, you know, like energy tariffs. Um, and you can still find the link apparently um, in the uh, pages HTML code. And obviously there are some reasons why that could happen, um, especially with the kind of um, what you see is what you get editors. Sometimes when you delete things, you get artifacts of code remaining where it hasn't properly kind of uh, polished up and cleaned up after especially itself. common in things like WordPress and stuff yeah. that happens all the time um, but obviously the, the, the suspicious things about this were it was the only blank link on the page mm. and it was obviously to a commercial website that had nothing to do with the <laughs> French, French Senate <laughs> so it's kind of like ah and the story goes on about how okay they, this piqued their curiosity and they kind of did a again using kind of the kind of tools we've been talking about in the episode a bit of investigation work and they found links in the end on around about a thousand kind of government owned websites and around 10% of those were Italian. And the number was growing kind of quite steadily. Um, they were finding that about one in 10 of these sites was removing the links as well. And when they looked into it, a lot of these um, were very small kind of tiny little very local parochial government websites that sometimes have been inactive for years. In other cases, they had text published and they had links to a company called Selectra, um, which is an SEO company. Um, and some, some of these actually had, so they, they, <laughs> they had these pages with links to these commercial sites. And at the bottom, they, they were signed by the mayor with, with an electronic um, signature. So the the article kind of goes into this big okay well how on earth are they doing this right because it's you know from an s from a very basic seo point of view you know when we're talking about kind of trust and things like this you would generally think that 
links from government websites. And there's been lots of, I don't want to get into it too much, but there's been lots of discussions as, as well about particular top-level domains like .gov, uh, for instance, in the UK, that you, you can't purchase these. You know, they're, they're dished out. So there's, there's some thought about, well, links from them must be worth more. Other people just surmise, well, because of the type of website, they're just worth more because they get loads of good links themselves. But either way, I don't think there's an SEO in the land that would turn down .gov link. links yeah, yeah, from absolutely. government websites, whatever niche they're in, right? Agreed. It's, it's yeah. a good yeah. thing. So they were like, how on earth is someone at scale just getting these links constantly? And they got lucky and found one footprint basically mm-hmm. on a website um that started off so the the text that linked to the um site was it said good morning this is to communicate area which is a-r-e-r-a um which is the authority for energy networks and environment with resolution blah 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 has extended the extension of the terms for renewal so basically it was a press release that looked like it came from the official uh, authority for energy networks and environment. So you can imagine, obviously, these these sites. That's exactly the kind of thing that they would publish, and yep. why you know, I assume they get these kind of things all the time, right? And it ends there with the we therefore ask you to publish the following information. I shit again, knowing people who have worked for the government, you get this kind of stuff that happens all the time. You are told to just this has come in. This is the new regulation. Just put it on the website. Put it in the magazine. Whatever it is. There you go. Just press send and don't ask questions, basically. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So once they once they kind of found this footprint, it was easier. And they, they uncovered hundreds of sites that were doing this. And some of them as well um, in the source code, you could see they'd copied the email styling in. So it obviously had just been copy and pasted directly from the email client um, into the kind of website editor or however. I imagine they're all on different kind of platforms. But um, so it looked like this is this is what was happening. and. As you can imagine, the site that was on the other end of this, in terms of receiving links, um, just exploded in terms of visibility. So especially during the June 2021 and May 2022 core update, you can see very large jumps, like 50, uh, well, actually 100% increase in visibility, and then another around about 30, 40% increase in visibility around those core updates. So unsurprisingly, it works. Yeah. And this is, as we've talked about a few times already, this is Google rewarding dodgy stuff, for want a better phrase. <laughs> like Google rewarding black hat practice because for whatever reason, they're not picking up on this stuff. I don't know. Gianluca touches on this in the article as well. Like if they could work this out as SEOs, how is Google not picking up on this stuff and, and you know, discrediting those links or whatever, however you want to put it? It's really interesting that like, they're rewarded from core updates for doing really black hat dodgy stuff. And like, okay, well, why do I bother doing all this white hat SEO if I could just sneak links into government websites and get away with it? So I, I, I have to disagree with Jean-Luc on that because to me, that is the kind of definition of how to break the rules well, which is, you know, <laughs> and that's what you're trying to do, right? You're, every time you pretending you, to be a governmental body is, I think that's illegal. So Mark. yeah, <laughs> legality aside. Oh, oh, legality okay. aside. But the the purpose of doing like effective, if you were if you were like, okay, I don't care what Google's rules are, right? I just want to do effective SEO. Yeah, 
the way to do that would be to make the footprint of that almost indistinguishable from this is legit good. Oh, yeah. Right. They've done a good job of that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't see how an algorithm could realistically tell the difference. Fair. Yeah. Like on a to not give a false positive. Yeah, you you would then get legit links that would then get discredited yeah. and you'd get those SEOs and those companies saying, hey, yeah. I got the link, what happened here? Well, yeah, it would, I mean, if these are, you know, again, some people talk about kind of page rank and trust different. There's that very old Yahoo paper on trust rank and seed sites, which apparently isn't how Google works anyway. But regardless, like talking about if, if these sites are so valuable, you know, and you are getting false positives, that will have a big ripple effect throughout yeah. the link graph if they get false positive. So, you know, I, I, for once, I'm not going to be overcritical of, of Google there. <laughs> that I think that's a very, very difficult thing to algorithmically um, detect. And, you know, it's, that's the kind of thing, as John Luke says, he doesn't normally write kind of about, he, as he says, black hat SEO, because it's just, he's kind of like got no love loss for Google, I think, yeah. and everyone's just doing kind of what they're doing. I think as well, I will read out, so... The head of SEO at Selectra Italia did respond um, to this being published. So I will just read out um, their response because it's fair to sort of show the, yeah, yeah. the other side. Um, and this is from a couple of LinkedIn comments. Um, so this is uh, Marino from uh, Selectra says, <clears throat> hello, it's almost flattering, almost, <laughs> almost, almost flattering to be at the center of attention of such an important SEO community. However, let's look at some facts. One. We were totally unaware about the empty link on the French Senate's website until now. If you look at, and then he's given a uh, webarchive.org link to the French Senate site, you'll see that it's always been present on the page and empty. It doesn't look like we contacted anyone to suggest a change. The only explanation we find here is that it could be a legitimate link left empty by mistake. Okay. Um, Any, and then this is two, As any SEO market player, we reach out to different websites, public and private, offering them content. Sure. In addition to gaining attention and links for us, this activity also allows many partner websites to provide updated and useful information to their visitors. Some of the information we were offering was related to market updates and official decisions made by the authorities which in some cases has created some misunderstanding. Oh, yes, it's their fault for misunderstanding. <laughs> Although no representative of Selector has ever impersonated error or other authorities and has never sent any emails from any other domain than Selectra.net, some communications sent were ambiguous as it was rightly pointed out. When alerted on this topic earlier this year, we investigated internally and set up the right process to control that all communications are matching our transparency standards. Finally, three, we kindly ask you not to judge our entire work on SEO from that perspective. The fact that we have different websites in Italy does not make our business illegitimate. Each of them has truly useful content created by a wonderful team and their job is the number one reason for ranking high on Google and attracting readers and other content editors placing links towards our websites. Hope this helps. We're open for discussion. I'll be happy to get in touch with you to clarify any doubts any of you guys might have left. 
But I just thought it's fair to read out their response. Again, we will link in the show notes so you can read the full write-up. Um, it's got a link to... Um, John Luca put a link to the Twitter and LinkedIn responses if you want to read through them as well. So you can make your own mind up about whether <laughs> this was intentional or a misunderstanding. Well, that's all we have time for this week. Thank you for joining me, Mark. It's been lovely to talk about some SEO and PPC news. I'll be back next week, perhaps with Mark, perhaps with a guest. We'll see what the schedule's doing. I've got a few guests lined up in the next coming weeks. Like I said, I'll be talking about some TikTok stuff for the first time, which is intimidating for me as a man in his 30s. <laughs> I'll be talking about what SEOs should be learning about PPC to help them in their SEO processes and a couple of other things lined up further off down the line. So please do stay subscribed and stay tuned for those coming up. But in the meantime, have a lovely week and thank you very much for listening.